Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's safety chat. Hi, this is Nick Coya with the Portage County Safety Council and the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation. And I'm here today with Mike Thompson from Portage County Safety Council. Mike, how are you doing today? Good. And then we're also joined by Carrie Gray from the Ohio BWC. Carrie, how are you? I'm glad to be back with you. You know, we've done some podcasts in the past and we're excited to have you here today talking about safety again. And one of the things I find in the field when I'm out talking with companies is really the sale of safety and how do we get them to buy into safety. And Carrie, you've had a little experience selling safety in the past and even done a little webinar on that, correct? Absolutely. I did one for the BWC in January of this year. So you've had a little experience. And what do you see? What's the big picture? What what are we trying to sell and why are we selling safety? What are we looking for? Well, I think the first thing to uh, remember when we start talking about selling safety, and it's it's a topic that isn't necessarily approached all that often. But one thing that we always have to keep in mind, and we may not know when we go into safety, is that safety is ultimately a sales job. And I know when I started in safety, I'll date myself here a little over 20 years ago, I certainly had no idea that I was going into a sales job. I just figured I was doing environmental health and safety. And the more you get into it, the more you figure out pretty much what I'm doing or spending a lot of my time doing is trying to convince other people that they need to be safe or that safety has to be a priority or it has to be a company value. And so really, you're spending a whole lot of time doing sales instead of just, you know, hardcore regulation safety type of stuff. Yeah. And it's not really an easy sales job. If I was going out and I'm selling widgets to a company, I have a product to hand them and a way to engage them in that process. Here, we're trying to convince people to change old habits into new habits and trying to convince senior leadership to spend money on things that's not always easily trackable or to tie a dollar amount to. Absolutely. You know, one of the more difficult things about measuring safety, whether we're talking about sales or not, but it's the fact that you're measuring something that didn't happen. So your ultimate goal is to have less injuries and have people go home safe every single day. Well, it's hard to measure what didn't happen. And so that's a a challenge that we're always up against in the safety field. So really, when we talk about selling safety, then we really have to look at this from a a couple different sales points. We're selling to top management, middle management, and then the frontline workers. And each of those kind of have a unique, different approach to how we deal with those. They do. They absolutely do. They're a little bit different depending on which group that you're going to focus on. And so, you know, I look at it, if you're going to sell to top management, you first of all need to be able to speak their language. You need to be able to talk in the world of finance. You need to, you know, be able to be on the same conversation level with them. But if we take a step back, really, when we look at selling for all levels, there's a couple similarities. So just like in any sales job, the first thing we really want to do is we want to create some sort of dissatisfaction with the status quo. So we want, whether it's top employees, supervision, or the floor associates, We want them to realize what's going on right now is not the best course of action or it's it's not acceptable. And so you got to create a little bit of satisfaction because, you know, in the sales world, if you look at selling, well, you know, you're never going to be able to sell a new fridge to somebody that has a fridge they like already. So you have to be able to create some dissatisfaction. And if you think about it with safety, we come across folks that often will say, oh, well, 
you know, I, I have a good safety record. I've, we've never had an injury or we haven't had an injury in, in a certain, you know, years. But a lot of times it comes down to as a company, are you good or are you lucky? And so sometimes that dissatisfaction that you're trying to create, you're going to have to be a little bit creative about it so they can understand, hey, maybe they just have been lucky. Um, right. Another thing that that is real common at all levels is, you know, we need to determine what the needs are, what the wants are, and what their fears are. And that's at all levels. And a lot of times, in addition to sales as a safety person, you know, we need to be a communication expert. We need to be a phenomenal listener to figure out what they need and what they want and what they're scared of. And really, again, with sales, we need to figure out what is our return on investment that's going to be different for all three levels. So, so you kind of have to break down. Yeah. So we need to do a little homework before we walk into the boardroom yeah. or out onto the production floor and say, hey, we're going to change things. We really need to break that down and do a little research and identify the needs, wants, and desires, and maybe even have some conversation with employees about that too, to see how that plays to them and, and work to those strengths to help your sales. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about top management. I think we start there and work our way down because I'm a strong believer in the fact that if top management isn't buying into this, you can do all the work you want with frontline and you're not going to get very far. We need to get that senior buy-in piece. So how do you approach that? What's the things that you're thinking about when you're going to go sit with senior leadership and sell them the safety services? So one of the things that I think about, and really if it's a safety manager sitting back at their desk listening to this, one of the things they need to be thinking about is financial for sure. We always talk about the financial impact and, and when we sell it to top leadership or top management, we need to make sure we can talk the dollars and cents amounts. But a lot of times it can come down to more than that. It's not just the amount that it, it costs from a workers' comp standpoint or what's going to happen to your workers' comp rates. You have to look even a little bit further into things like liability and things, you know, dealing with the SSRs. And if you have, you know, very severe type of injuries, it's going to be more than just your workers comp costs that are going to go up. It's going to be more than just the OSHA fines that, that you're facing. It's going to, you know, end up in not only the courts that we deal with, but we're also going to be dealing with the courts of public opinion. Correct. And so the way employers look, the way that companies look right now, whether it's a social media thing, whether it's something that you see just in general on the news, or if you know anybody's reading the paper and they see a bad story from a safety perspective about a company, it's going to change how their customer base feels about them. Well, and, so and today's safety, environment really has changed that too. You hit on the social media point. 10 years ago, we didn't have to worry about a, a, a small incident in a facility really taking off and being yep. all over the news. Now it just takes one post on Facebook and the right person to share it. And all of a sudden it's everywhere. Yeah. It can go viral super fast and it may not even be the right information to begin with. And so, you know, it's really important that you're using that aspect when you're trying to talk to top management of, you know, what it, what it looks like. There's, there's a lot of, you know, conversations going on out there from a corporate responsibility standpoint. And, you know, it comes down to are these big companies or even small companies doing the right things as we as the consumer see. And safety plays right into that. So, you know, you're looking at that financial side, you're looking at that liability side, but you're really, you got to make sure that top management understands this is an image issue and it can really impact 
what their customers think of them, whether or not, you know, the customer continues to see value in them and, you know, whether or not they're going to keep being their customer. And that's kind of a different approach than safety people really think about things initially. When you get in the field of safety, you're doing this because you want to make sure people go home safe. You care about people. You want to make sure they're safe. And business owners want that too, but it comes down to the dollar for them. I mean, at the end of the day, they're making business decisions. So mm-hmm. trying to talk the talk of, well, we need to keep people safe and here's how we do it. It's going to cost X dollars. doesn't always work. We need to be able to show those other avenues, I think, to sell them on it. It's not personal. It's business at that point. Absolutely. And this is just part of the business decisions that they're making every single day. And to get them to understand that often, this becomes a sales conversation. So, Carrie, one of our safety council managers, a human resource manager a few years ago, she came up to me and said, Mike, the plant manager thinks we're already safe, but we have people almost getting hit by tominers every day. How do I approach this? He doesn't see it. She said, when I talked to him, he said, this is the safest we've been in 30, 40 years I've been in this industry. So how much is it a fresh set of eyes or how important is a fresh set of eyes coming in to be able to speak in an outside perspective, coming in to speak to that CEO and say, hey, look, that's great. You mentioned being lucky. Am I lucky or are we safe, right? And so yeah. how, how does it come? How do you approach a manager like that that just almost has like an industry blind spot when it comes to safety, because it's safer than it was 30 years ago. So they don't think there's any issue there. And we're not getting numbers, but there may be several near misses going on. How do we really start to sell someone like that? Well, and I think you're you're really almost, you know, possibly hitting two different categories here. So one, I've heard top management, I've heard the owners of companies say those, oh, we're, you know, we're bubble wrapping everything. We're as safe as we could possibly ever be. And you know, as a safety professional, and you've been doing this for a while, okay, you're maybe safer than you've ever been before. But you know, is that enough? Now, sure, there's a fine line. There's, there's, you can't get all of the hazards out. You can't get all the risk out. You can't get all the exposure out. A lot of this becomes, you know, a cost benefit analysis. And you have to make that decision of, you know, how far can I take this? But often it does come down to, you know, looking of a making it a, a morale issue. What are your employees feeling? I really believe that if you have a safe environment, your employees are going to be better employees, not only from a production and the cost and the quality standpoint, but they're going to want to stay with you. And this is really what most of our employers are fighting right now is finding good employees, keeping good employees. And I think safety is a function of that that really we haven't necessarily tapped into from, you know, the safety person standpoint is going to play into whether people want to stay. And I think that speaks to top management as much as it speaks to middle management or our supervisors, our floor supervisors. They're fighting the battle right on the front line of, you know, hey, I think we're safer than we've ever been. Think of all these meetings that we've never had to have before and now we're having and spending all this time on safety. But are your employees actually doing things and are they making safe choices? Have you gotten rid of those at-risk behaviors or those unsafe choices that people have made? And so sometimes it's, uh, hey, let's go out on the floor and talk about this. Let's go look at the environment. Let's watch somebody unload a truck. Let's watch somebody drive a forklift around and let's ha- continue to have this conversation. And a lot of times, just you standing there and whether that's you as a safety person while you're having this conversation or me and Nick as an outside BWC person and we have this conversation right there as stuff is happening, you know, you're going to find an at-risk behavior, you know, 
pretty much in most places if you're in need of having this conversation anyways. And so it can be a, a way to point it out is it's not just these physical conditions. It's the way that people are making their choices. I think that's a big piece, Carrie. You and I do a class together on behavior-based safety. And while some many companies may not be ready for a full behavior-based safety, what we learn from that class is this, that we can fix all the issues in the plant. We can put the best guarding in, give them all the best PPE. It's the behaviors that are going to drive the injuries. It's the behaviors that are going to drive those costs related to safety. So it's not only just sale of safety and guarding, and sometimes that's what the middle management and top management is looking at. It's what is the culture? And that's what we need to be selling. And how do we invest more time and money into culture? And culture has an overlapping effect that I've seen. If I can create a safer culture, the end result is better quality and more quantity coming out because we're reducing other issues. We're also making a better environment, which has a long-lasting effect on the company too. And I noticed too, Carrie, that in the Western world, culturally, we tend to compartmentalize everything. I have my safety box. I have my production box. I have this box. And we just did a survey with our Portage County Safety Council members. And one of the questions we asked them was, when you feel tempted or pressured to work unsafely, what would you identify some main causes or factors of that? The number one cause, I believe it was uh, nearly half the respondents said tiredness or fatigue. So from a management perspective, we have to begin to expand their view of things. Okay, so you see your safety box, lockout, tagout, hard hats, PPE, all these different things, right? But what about the number of hours we're making them work? Yeah. Are, are, are they working 60, 70 hours a week? Is that a contributing factor to being safety? The second thing in that survey was complacency. So is our safety culture based on the way are the way we're leading as an executive, as a plant manager, are we leading people in the right things to actually reduce it? Or are we just doing the campaigning? You know what I'm saying? And right. so there's these other factors that don't fit in the safety box, but can we start to introduce these other things? Is it the amount of work? Is it the work stress? Is it the pressure from supervisors to get the orders out? Is it pressure for customers that we're really sending the message to? So these are different things to kind of talk to management about from a different approach to safety. Absolutely. And often when I'm at an employer and and they've called me in and said, hey, my injuries are going up and we don't know what's going on and we can't figure things out. One of the questions I always ask is, what are your employees' hours look like? Have they changed? And very frequently, oh, yeah, we had to make Saturdays mandatory or we've gone to 10 hour shifts, mandatory Monday through Friday. You know, that is definitely a common factor that I see with employers. And we're struggling with this right now, you know, as I think at least in Northeast Ohio, maybe maybe bigger. But we're struggling with this now because we are up against the issue of finding the employees that we need. That's one of the number one complaints I see out there is employers that I'm visiting are saying, The biggest issue we're facing as a business model is finding employees. There's just a shortage of workers, so we're pushing our employees further and harder to work more hours, push more out, which then has a direct correlation to safety. So you mentioned this earlier in the context that, okay, we're doing more safety meetings, we're doing toolbox talks, so we're doing more for safety. But your system of how you operate your business may not necessarily be changing, so that's great. We're talking about safety more. Those are important things. But if we have a system where people are working 60, 70 hours a week and that fatigue is putting them at risk, it's the system. And what happens a lot of times is we're trying to put safety in our current operating system instead of basing our operating system, so to speak, on a culture that's safe. 
So, like, what happens is we have our safety box for dinner, toolbox talks. We're putting up the posters. We're going to give you the free steak dinner or company picnic if we have, you know, no time loss accidents for a year, whatever that looks like. But the system still creates many hazards that are being overlooked. When I think that comes to a, a piece that I've heard Carrie speak on before is safety part of your core values. And so if you're going to integrate safety and sell safety and make this part of your system, it's going to have to change the system in order for it to be part of the core value. Yeah, that's something I think that managers really need in their framework of what they think about safety is break their safety box. I know it's cliche, but literally break the safety box and quit checking the box of we did A, B, and C and really look, is safety a part of our culture and how we lead? Absolutely. And it is a bizarre thing as a safety person to be saying, you know, safety isn't number one. And I'm not that kind of safety person. And, and I get a lot of odd looks when I say that. Just like Nick said, safety needs to be part of your core values. And those core values need to be, you know, a little bit flexible and they all have to mesh together. And, you know, it's, it's the old adage, well, you know, if you have production, but the quality is terrible, nobody's going to want to buy your product. If you have really good quality, but you don't make much of it, well, then obviously you can't sell much of it. If you can't do those two things at a good cost and with safety, you know, you're you're wasting your time. You're never going to be a successful business. You need all of these to align. It can't just be, like you said, a safety box. It can't be, oh, my solution is I'm going to talk more about safety. Well, if you're just talking about safety and, and they're working 70 hours a week, talk is cheap. It means nothing. So then how do we take this and sell that to middle management? We talked a little bit about the executive, but frontline managers are, are, are a different breed themselves too. They kind of fall into that unique category. So what's your sales pitch when you're out and you're looking at the production manager or the, you know, the shop manager out in the production area? So I really think that middle management or those, those supervisor level employees and trying to sell safety to them is probably one of the hardest at least in my opinion. I can I can make the case to the employees and we'll talk about that next. I can, you know, sell it to the top, you know, not always convincingly. I try really hard. You can't, you know, you can lead a horse to water kind of deal. But I really think supervisors are one of the toughest nuts to crack in this. So when I look at how do we get supervisors to embrace this, first thing that you have to realize is, you know, they are mostly strapped for time. They are running in a hundred different directions. They have a lot of different priorities, but product is usually the highest. Now, often quality will jump in there and that'll blip for every once in a while. But for middle management, it typically comes back to being a production priority and, you know, time is, is something that there is never, ever, ever nearly enough of. So you have to approach it like you do top management, you know, a lot with money and a lot with image. With middle management, you're going to approach it from a time standpoint. Okay, so we've already determined, we already know finding employees that will stay and that will work hard and that will be dedicated to you as a company is is a difficult thing. Every company's facing that. And just like I said, if safety is part of the equation as a company, People are going to be more productive. They're going to feel like the company cares about them a little bit more. And that's really important. From a time standpoint, we know middle management spends a whole lot of time filling out reports and doing stuff when it comes to post-accident. And so, hey, you know, make sure they realize the less incidents and accidents you have, the less amount of time you're going to be doing that, the less amount of time you're going to be scrambling to cover schedules the less amount of time 
that, you know, you're going to be focused on after the fact of an accident. It's going to, you know, help them make their production stronger, make their quality stronger. They basically, you know, I look at middle management as jugglers. All they're doing, you know, there is very, very seldomly a routine day for a, you know, frontline supervisor. They're looking at everything, you know, from profit to quality to dealing with somebody's feelings getting hurt to, you know, not only absenteeism, but presenteeism. There's so many different things that they're juggling. And when you as the safety person decide to add one more ball to the things that they're juggling, they're going to drop something. And so I think you have to be very careful as a safety person to when you bring an issue to middle management, you have to bring a solution along with it. And maybe you don't always know that solution and maybe you got to kind of lead them into coming up with the solution, but you need to bring some ideas so you don't, they don't feel like you're just kind of dumping everything on them. Now, ultimately, they are the ones that are going to shape the culture and they need to understand what a big responsibility they have. But they need to understand you as a safety person, you are their number one advocate. Yeah, I think we need to provide them with the tools. I think a big piece of that, too, is the sale to top management first so that maybe you make safety more of a measurable goal for them, too. And that helps sell it because I find what's measured gets done. And so if safety isn't measured, but quality and production is, they're going to drop that ball or they're going to set that aside when they're trying to juggle in a pinch and say, okay, I got to focus on what I'm actually going to be measured on. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, I agree. They're going to be measured on what, you know, they're told they have to do. So that needs to be part of it. Right. And and, and I agree also with the fact that we need to provide them with, with as much tools and solutions as we can because their time is so limited. If we walk in with a problem and say, we need to find a solution, let's talk about it for an hour. A lot of times they don't have time for that. They want us to come in and say, this is the problem. Here's some ideas. Let's work through them together and get them going in the right direction. And this brings up a good point in what I call alignment, right? I mean, if you're doing safety, it has to be, we know it has to start from the top down. It also has to be bottom up with the employees. But it's like the supervisors or middle managers are the linchpin between the two arms that really connect. And a lot of times it's kind of like in sports where they take an athlete and, you know, maybe it's a pitcher and he goes to pitch and they say, hey, because your arm is moving this way, the force, the energy and force that you could have throwing the baseball is not transferring from your body to your arm through the pitch. And so having that supervisor or middle management group not in complete alignment, you lose a lot of momentum coming from upper management or from the bottom up from staff. So that's a key piece and often a lot of times in the companies you see that you have the message from the top down, you even have staff coming in, but then the pressure on the supervisors, that message, it almost sounds like a mixed message because you have top management saying this, but my supervisors pressuring us to get this order out. And then what do we do? You know, we're kind of caught in this conundrum. So if you're listening to this and you're a CEO, you're an executive, you're a plan manager, even if you're a supervisor, what can you do to bring greater alignment to your company? Because overall, that's going to have a tremendous impact in your safety performance. And so that really brings up the third topic, Mike, of, you know, how do we push it up, though, to where do we, where does it come from the bottom up and what are we expecting from employees? And I find a lot of frontline employees, I just I just did a presentation to some yesterday and it was, well, Nick, we've been doing this the same way for 20 years. Why all of a sudden is there a big push for change? Why, why should we do this? So, Carrie, how are you approaching those frontline production workers? So when it comes to those associates or those frontline production workers or frontline, whether it's construction or whatever industry it is, 
you know, there's a couple approaches that I do. Um, one is definitely you have to try to remove any barriers. Okay. So you want to look at, you know, what is preventing them from, you know, making a safe choice or what is preventing them from, you know, eliminating that risk or that hazard. And, you know, often we look at the example of safety of personal protective equipment and, you hear top management, middle management say, oh, my employee never wears the safety glasses and, and they get real concerned because of that. And that's just one example in, in this whole safety world. And so the first thing I always ask is, well, why aren't they wearing their safety glasses? And often it comes down to there's some sort of barrier that, you know, makes them not efficient. So if you're in a hot environment and you slap on safety glasses and you start moving around, they're going to get fogged up if they're not the right kind of safety glasses and you're not going to be able to see. So either you don't see and you don't make any product or do anything that you're supposed to be doing or you wear your safety glasses. And that's not really a good choice that we can give to our employees. So, you know, in that example, there's all kinds of different things you can do and different glasses you can buy and stuff you can put on your glasses. But you got to look at what kind of choices are you forcing your employees to make and personal protective equipment's just one example. Now, I think the other thing that you have to do when you're looking at trying to get employees to make safe choices and, and to do things in a, in a more safe manner is you got to make it personal. Is you got to find out and this is really a function of middle management. They've got to figure out, you know, what makes this person tick? What's really important to them? If they are basically working and living and everything they do for, you know, their kids or for their hobby or for their spouse or, you know, whatever it is that's most important to them, you need to make sure, whether it's a safety person or middle management, that the employee understands what the consequences are if they get hurt. And a lot of times you got to look at, you know, yeah, we're going to do this activity over and over and over and over, and I may not get caught yet or I may not get hurt yet, but ultimately, you know, hey, it's going to catch up to you. So I look at the example of a seatbelt, and this is one that I always love to use when I'm doing trainings. And I read somewhere that, you know, the majority of drivers at some time in their lifetime will be in a motor vehicle accident where a seatbelt saves their life or at least prevents their life from being drastically impacted. So whether they would die or they would end up, you know, with a severe injury that would drastically impact them as a person. Okay. okay. But how many times do we put on our seatbelt in the, in the course of our lives from when we're little and when our kids are little and we put them in a, a carrier or we put them in a car seat till, you know, we're 70, hopefully 80, 90 years old and still able to drive. Yeah, we're wearing that I mean, seatbelt thousands of times. Yeah, thousands, if not millions. millions yeah. 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 And so one out of that million or multiple thousands or tens, hundreds of thousands, one time is when it's going to matter. Well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not that much of a betting person to say which time it's going to matter. Right. And so you need to be doing these kind of activities. You need to make this personal for them. You know, what drives them? Why do, why do they work? Why do they do what they do? Why do they have the passion they have? you got to find that. And, and when we talk about middle management being under such time constraints, that's so hard to do is to get to know every single employee. But the ones that do are the ones that end up being successful managers. Well, and I think that's a big piece of it is that we need to, as safety professionals, get out there and know our employees 
But bigger than that is the first point you made under the sale to, to the employees, the frontline associates, is investigate why they do what they do. What's causing that? Because so often there is a barrier and they're just trying to work their way around it. I worked with a facility that had a problem with people wearing hearing protection. They were never wearing it. And the manager was banging his head on the wall going, I keep telling them to wear them. They won't wear them. And the safety person saying, I've trained them and I've trained them. But then when we started watching while they're working and I started talking with them, I found out, well, they weren't wearing them on the press line because they had to talk to each other and they were yeah. a good 50, 60 feet away from each other. And you put in hearing plugs, you couldn't hear each other to, to make the adjustments. So we weren't providing them with the proper tools. We we're providing them with plugs where maybe we needed noise canceling headphones and a communication device to make the job work and make it work safely. Yeah. If you're going to give an employee a choice between you know, either making the product and doing what they're being held accountable for or wearing their safety equipment. You know, if, if you have to do one or the other, they're going to make the product because that's what you want them to do. So we got to figure out how to make it so they can do that as well as be safe at the same time. And Carrie, there's some communication things going on too as well, right? Like I noticed most of the safety campaigns I've been a part of or safety communications, I would call them, they communicate, you know, it's been 95 days since the last time was accident. We need to keep our costs down. It, there's issues brought about workers' compensation. Uh, we just surveyed our members and we asked them the first question, what's your primary motivation for working safe? And overwhelmingly, I think it was about 67% was their number one priority, their primary motivation was that their coworkers, it wasn't even themselves, it was yeah. that their coworkers yeah. would go home the same way they can, so they can go home to their families. Second was about equal so that they can go home. And the other thing was like families, their family, their kids, their pets. That's the number one priority. And a lot of times we come in, like we mentioned earlier with top-down management, it's all about the numbers. Let's go over the finances. Let's go over the cost of things. And so what happens is we tend to communicate that and really admit it doesn't connect us to the safety message as frontline employees. Auburn University did a study years ago and the guy that headed, the professor that headed up the study's name is Keith Greedo, and he talked about, and I don't know the quote off the top of my head, but he said, a lot of times the safety message is getting disconnected from management down to the frontline supervisor. It's not making its way through. And if it doesn't connect with the employees, there's actually no real buy-in. And they did this whole study, and I won't go into the details of it, but literally they found that people that bought into the safety message from the middle management or supervisors created a safer culture and had higher safety performances. And so one thing from our survey that we found out is the primary motivation is social and relational. I'm going to go back to see my wife and kids. I want my coworkers to go back the same way they came. And it really hits a heartstring. When we asked them in the same thing, it was like one of those questions, check all that apply. Very few people, if any, even responded to disciplinary threats, threats of being fired. Their motivation was not to get fired, not to get written up. Very few things under that. It was all about people. And so sometimes I think when we communicate and we want to sell employees, we really need to hit this. There's a great TED Talk by Simon Sinek. He wrote a book called Start With Why, and he really hits this. It's not necessarily safety related, but he talks about how to hit the message to get people to buy in. Usually when we need to change something, so we need to improve safety, it's like, what do we need to change? Well, we need people to wear hard heads. He said, no, there's a whole step before that that we miss. It's the why. Because if we don't have buy-in why we're changing and changing our culture together, the change is going to be impossible. Maybe they'll go through motions so they don't get fired and put a hard hat when you're looking. But as soon as you're, <laughs> you're out there, they're going to take it off in these different things. So how powerful is the really for management to kind of shift the focus 
to really connect that safety, that personal safety message that you mentioned in the beginning to sell those front end employees? Well, I think it's huge. I I don't think employees are going to be driven by how many days they've been between accidents or how much it's going to cost. You know, otherwise, I would say that's how you sell it to the floor line employees. And that's not how you sell it. You sell it through making it personal and getting rid of barriers. And so I think conversations like what we've had today and that you're putting out to heck the whole world. I think conversations like that is, hey, not only as a safety person, do I have to know how to sell safety? But once I have them sold, then top management needs to know how to sell safety to middle management and to floor line associates. Once I have middle management sold on safety being important, then they need to make sure they know how to sell it to the top when they want to get something done or how to sell it down to the folks that they're supervising. You know, this is, it's a huge point. The numbers and the injury rates and things like that aren't going to impact the individuals. It's going to be the why and it's going to be the how. And you brought up a really good point about, you know, guilt and fear tactics. And there's a lot of studies out there that show from a safety perspective or any perspective, you know, fear tactics, they don't last. Manipulation does not change safety behavior or any behavior long term. You know, it all comes down to, you know, well, what if I as middle management, what if I just cared? What if I cared about my employees? If I care about my employees, I'm going to change the way that I'm supervising them. I'm going to change the way that I'm selling safety to them as a manager because I care about them. I don't want them to get hurt. They deserve to go home. You know, we talk about these safety meetings earlier and you don't want your talk to be cheap. Your safety meetings aren't just intended to, you know, convey a specific safety point. If your middle management or top management or a safety person and you're leading a safety meeting, your whole goal is to inspire and to motivate. Well, fear is not going to do that. You've got to make them understand the why. And so I think you really hit that. And I've listened to that TED Talk. It's amazing. You hit it right on the head there. You need to make sure that all the different levels, once they're sold, once you've done your job of sales, you're not done. Now you have to make sure they know how to do the job of sales for safety as well. But this helps us to become better safety managers or safety directors or safety liaison, whatever that title is, if you're wearing that dual hat. You know, too often I think I see the safety role being viewed as the safety cop. And you're just going around and you're using that negative reinforcement to sell safety and it's not working. If we find a different way to sell it, then as a manager, I can manage safety compared to being the safety cop. And my time's used more wisely. I become a resource to those supervisors and let them manage safety too. And then the company culture starts to shift and we become a stronger organization in the end. I agree completely. All right, Carrie, thank you so much for uh, doing this podcast with us. I think this is great information and I think there's plenty of talks we can have in the future about this too. But I think this is a great starting point for those just getting into safety or that have been doing it for a long time. How do we change our approach? How can we be better about selling safety with the goal of changing culture and having a whole corporate buy-in and ultimately making safety a core value of your system? I agree. Thanks, guys. Thanks for giving me some time to talk about this. As you see, I could probably talk for three or four days about it. So (laughs) this was fun. All right. Thank you so much, Uh, everyone. Be safe and have a great day.
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Podbeam, or Stitcher. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn up to a 4% Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.wordpress.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.